right. Welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith. Here alone. It's a little late night chat. It's kind of a last second thing. Uh, a lot of plans fell through, and I wanted to give you guys something uh, to listen to before our full episode. We'll have a full episode up for you on Wednesday morning or maybe Tuesday night. But this is a little chat with my buddy, uh, Damon Rangula. You probably know him from Twitter if you're a heavy Twitter user like I am at uh, Damon R. Uh, anyway, um, so we'll talk with him a little bit. Just a reminder, uh, thanks to Fantrax. Com for our fantasy basketball hosting where we have our international stackhouse of pancakes negative fantasy league for pride and glory with our patreon subscribers uh, got a couple new patreon subscribers this week welcome to the club if anybody else out there wants to support our program you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast all right and now uh, i'll just call uh demand up on the phone Damon, what's hey, up, man? It is uh, it's kind of late for me. Early for you. There's no games on. We're I know talking- this is this is this is like you know past nine p.m. without any games on. It's it's like a fireball offense for everybody in the scheduling office. I feel like this year with the spreading the schedule out, you know, sometimes there's a bunch of games on Tuesday. Sometimes there's only one game on a Monday or whatever it is. It's a little weird. It, I know. Like, so I, I, I followed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Lakers fan. So I, there was the game last night that I actually went to, and now there's no game until Thursday. Oh yeah, well the it's all spread out. Well, like I feel like that was kind of usual. I'm just getting weirded out by this. Uh, like if I'm watching TV and there's no game on at say 9 p.m. Central, like when all, like the East Coast Central Time Zone games are over, and there's no like West Coast game, I'm confused, and I'm always like, is there something on? Or I swear there was a Monday or a Tuesday with like two games a while ago, and that also makes me think like, is there an award show on tonight? Like, what is right? The- I always check the schedule. I'm like, wait, there <laughs> has to be something going on. I mean, obviously we don't have actual lives and we don't follow anything else, so it's right. very possible there's like a crazy event that everybody's watching except us. I assume that's the uh, the LeVar Ball TV show. Is that still ro- is that still rolling? Hey man, uh, it's a very sensitive topic right now around Los Angeles. Please, please don't bring up LeVar Ball. Well, I kind of bring it up. All right, so we're just, we're just talking, we're chit chatting, a, a late night, a little fast break breakfast, a brief brief breakfast or something, brief cast. How's that? <laughs> uh, it's a, something short because uh, we had to cancel our regular scheduled show. Another guest fell through. Uh, hadn't talked to. Damon in a while, so I thought I would. Damon Rangula, who, uh, you know, you're a Lakers fan. You're a tech head. You're always on the current cutting edge of all things Apple uh, as they... I, another, way to, an, another way to say that is I spent way too much money on technology. Well, I mean, we all do. We're all privileged. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but how are... So you're saying things are tense in, in Lakerland with the LeVar Ball and your Lonzo Ball? I just so here's where I stand on this, right? I am I was generally very pro Lavar Ball, just in the sense of there's something very interesting about what he was trying to do. Uh, Lonzo hadn't had a he hadn't played a minute in the NBA, and he was trying to create a brand out of him, not only him, but two brothers who we never knew. We, like we have no guarantee that they're going to be NBA players, and I mean it's looking more and more likely like they won't. Uh, just given all the nonsense that's happening uh, 
with them off the court. And there was something admirable about that to me. And I appreciated it. And I, quite frankly, I found him entertaining. Like, I know people don't like um, the kind of uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, kind of characters. Uh, and, and, and I find them all entertaining. Like, yeah, yeah, Skip Bayless. I, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate and respect what they're trying to do. Um, after all, this is like, this is not that serious. But now, you know, Lavar's talking about the Lakers coaching staff. Uh, Lonzo's struggling. I was at the game last night uh, against Houston. And Houston, obviously, is a, just a much better team. But Lonzo looked invisible out there. And, and that's something he hasn't looked all year. Now, there are there's caveats to that, right? Lonzo, he's a little hurt. Uh, it was a back-to-back. Uh, they were playing in Denver the night before. Uh, he's As a rookie, that's a, probably one of the biggest adjustments, I feel like, getting used to the NBA schedule. But at the same time, when you're not performing, so Lonzo Ball is not performing like at all uh, you know, where I would have hoped he was at this stage, you don't want to hear his dad. You don't want to hear any stories about his brothers or anything like that. And uh, I'm quite frankly getting a little sick and tired of it. So you're, you're getting sick and tired of it, though, from the perspective of a Lakers fan on a couple fronts. You want Lonzo Ball to be better, but also like the hype machine is more annoying when you don't feel like he, he's living up to what you hoped. Right. And and it's more like when you're a Laker fan, you you uh, are in an odd situation of being almost a de facto spokesperson for <laughs> like the Ball family. Like I had people asking me, texting me like, so today uh, the story came out that LeVar Ball was pulling Leangelo uh, Ball out of UCLA. And I got texts from people saying, hey, what the hell is going on with LeVar Ball? Like I had something to do with it. Right. So it's just like <laughs> and, and at the same time, I'm having to defend um Lonzo Ball on Twitter, like all day, like, Hey, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm running out of ammunition myself. Like he's, he's underperforming. Um, there are nights where I still feel like he has a positive impact while he's on the floor, but at some point he's got to, he's got to, you know, he's got to (laughs) be, I mean, legal below average from shooting rather than historically bad. (laughs) Well, I gotta say, so I've said it several times on our show. If Lonzo Ball was not on the Lakers and he wasn't part of the like LeVar Ball's clan, he'd probably be my favorite rookie. Like he might be one of my all-time favorite players. And I haven't lost my excitement for him. I mean, he he is a crazy playing basketball player. He plays insane. Like something about the fact that his shot is so terrible. Yet it's, he, it's really bad. <laughs> yet he's yet he's good at like blocking shots for a guard, and he's like a good rebounding guard. He just he seems fun. So like I still really like him. I mean he's a rookie. He's averaging nine points, seven boards, seven assists. Like I don't know the shooting percentages are terrible. He's like a glorified awesome Nick Calathus, and Nick Calathus was one of my you? you know favorite you? players. Oh, I, I will. You can look it up. Uh, you can check those. I mean, Lonzo, Lonzo doesn't need any uh, HGH to grow his hair. <laughs> That's true. Poor, poor Nick got suspended, uh, missed a playoff game. Uh, so I will, I, I will <laughs> say this. So Lonzo has far, far exceeded any expectations that I had from him defensively, uh, which is a great sign because, you know, his offense, he's still a good playmaker. And so if we're really talking about shooting being his biggest deficiency, another aspect of that, though, and something I appreciate and I try to appreciate as much as possible, despite his shooting percentages being so low, 
he's not shying away from the shot. And I think the moment when Lonzo, and I hope this doesn't happen, but the moment he stops taking those shots when he's open, uh, that is going to be the worst possible outcome. You're right on the open ones. I'd still, from what I've watched the Lakers and I've actually watched, I've watched a ton of the Lakers. I think I've watched more Lakers this year than I have. We're fun. Well, yeah, like uh, the last three years, Kobe's last two years, I pretty much refuse to watch. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so like, like he is still shooting a few crazy ones every now and then you guys drew up some play call. I think, I don't know who you're trying to, I think you guys were down five inbounded to to Lonzo (laughs) at the very last play and he shot like a 30 footer from the hash mark. It was hilarious. It was a very bad air ball off the backboard. <laughs> and then he was yelling at like uh, KCP. I don't know what it was doing. So I think he needs some shyness. If he picked his spots a little more, I mean, I know right now he's, it seems like uh armchair psychologist. He's having a severe lack of confidence. So you, you don't, you don't want him to turn down the shots, but you know, maybe some shyness, maybe fewer, <laughs> fewer pull-ups, Fewer coming hey man, off pin we, downs. We, you're, you're no Kyle Korver. We all know the the kind of uh, you know the guy who's a two or three who keeps asking out girls who are eights and nines. Look, man, eventually those guys end up marrying eights or nines. <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's my true. Hope. I was like, that's very Colin Cowherdy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of uncomfortable. It's like a Lane Kiffin quote. Uh, so uh, also. Do you think Lonzo had anything to do with the Lakers enforcing the media rule where family members are not subject to being interviewed by the media, being dubbed uh, the LeVar Ball rule? You think maybe <laughs> Lonzo put a word in with the PR director of the Lakers? Like, hey, could you get my dad out of here for a post game? I think, I think LeVar Ball got LeVar Ball out of there like he it, the moment he started talking about the coaching staff and and players on the team that's just that that that's a red flag like you 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 draw the line you you just there's there's there should be zero tolerance for that how are you feeling about those players on the team i mean you do have lonzo ball you do not have uh any of the other rookies you also do not have d'angelo russell so how how's that going over so far so honestly, um, so I mean, speaking of D'Angelo Russell, uh, he's dealing with injury issues himself in Brooklyn. That was a concern. Um, and there was concern about how he would kind of blend in with uh, Lonzo Ball, not from a basketball perspective only, because I think they would have fit just fine, actually. Um, I think that structurally speaking, if those are your two guards, uh, defensively speaking, while Lonzo looks better, uh, that really leaves you in, in a bad spot. And there was concern about how D'Angelo Russell would handle um, the hype that came behind Lonzo Ball, right? So I, I, I'm okay. I, I still am okay with the deal. I don't think that um, – and, and I, I guess I'll get to my big picture worry with the Lakers. Uh, the reasoning might not have been perfect, but I, I still understood where they're coming from. Now, as it comes to the rest of the roster, um, I'm so happy with uh, Kyle Kuzma. I'm really happy with what just Josh Hart has uh, shown so far. I'm I, I completely have to eat crow about two players on the team that I have been really really down on. I'm generally kind of pessimistic overall uh, about young players, but Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram are really showing me something that I did not expect. I mean, Brandon Ingram's game against the Warriors was uh, it, it was eye opening to me. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen every night, and and it hasn't. I mean, quite frankly, right? But uh, Julius Randle has been 
so much better than I expected. He came into camp in the best shape of his life, and we hear that every year. But what he's been able to do defensively, I mean, the Lakers not being a bottom 10 defensive team is a miracle, and they're actually like sixth or seventh. Yeah, it's impressive. I would say both those guys. So Kuzma obviously has the big, been the big story as a rookie carrying over his success from summer league and the preseason is still looking great. Uh, Randall, you know, the idea that I understand it is the Lakers don't want him on the team next year because your entire front office plan <sighs> is based around getting, getting, uh, you know, Paul George or LeBron James or some other free agent. So what, like, what is the feeling? Like, like, are you guys still just trying to get rid of Julius Randle and or Jordan Clarkson? Like Jordan Clarkson has had a really good year so far. I feel like those two guys, Clarkson and Randle have pumped up their value as much as they could have. And we assumed that the Lakers are just going to get rid of those two. So how are you feeling? Are you feeling loyal? You having second thoughts about your master plan of this, uh, getting LeBron? So this is my biggest uh, problem with the front office so far. And it's that, the Lakers have a roster that's built on a sort of time horizon of developing over the next five years, but they put it, they're putting all their eggs in the basket on this summer that they're going to get two stars this summer. You know, they still, uh, I, 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 up until recently, they're still talking about two max contracts and what I don't quite understand. And, and what I, what makes me worried a, you're, you're making dumb short-term decisions like the way they're playing Randall. They're not playing in many minutes because I do think that internally they, they're they saying what you're saying, Keith, is uh, we can't pay this guy this summer, right, if we want to do what we want to do. So let's bench him. Let's give Larry Nance Jr. more minutes. And I like Larry Nance Jr., but Julius Randall should be getting more minutes. Brooke Lopez is starting center right now. I would actually rather start Randall at the five, you know, despite I, I know that's going to create some problems. And Randall doesn't provide the same spacing, but he's earned it at this point. Brook Lopez is in a big slump. But big picture, you're building, you're 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 going all in on this summer. You're this is where the hype for Lonzo also came from. Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka did do nothing to kind of subdue the hype, saying he's a rookie. They 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 built him up. Uh, they built Brandon Ingram up, and thank God Brandon Ingram has taken a leap. But I am so against making plans like the kind of plans they're making. Also because I don't understand still why LeBron would leave Cleveland for A, the Western Conference, and then B, for the actual, for the Lakers. Like I still, it has never made sense to me. All the ideas about, oh, you know, he's going to come here to uh, get into Hollywood and et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't buy any of that because he could sign one-year deals in Cleveland for as long as he wanted until the Lakers were ready. Like, why does it have to have to happen this summer? I still don't. It makes no sense to me. Well, I mean, you know, I think that the Lakers front office is terrible and complete, <laughs> and completely unproven. Like Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson only speak in platitudes, and they've done nothing like they've done absolutely nothing they, they drafted Lonzo Ball which is the most like maybe it's going to work, work out great but it was just the obvious choice I feel like they've done all the obvious choice things no man Josh Hart Kyle Kuzma you got yeah he was a good signing you got to give him credit for Kuzma that that was incredible although Doc Rivers does not give them credit he, t he told that story that they were at some workout and Kuzma did great and all the scouts were like, he's really not that good. But Palinka and Magic Johnson didn't have any scouts. So they were like, that guy was really good. Let's take him. <laughs> so, uh, so Doc Rivers is, uh, who, who could be bitter and on his way out, uh, you know, he, he, ha he has his doubts. So uh, I will say playing 2K 
Uh, I put Randall at the f- <laughs> I put I put Randall at the five. I've pl- I've started playing two K for the first time in a decade, and that's how I get all my Lonzo assists. I just uh, <laughs> I, I have Randall at the five. Yeah, Brooke Lopez, man, I don't know. I thought he would be much better this year, and I thought he would be, be catching some passes from Lonzo. He even got dropped in one of our fast break breakfast uh, fantasy leagues over on Fantrax.com. Uh, Brooke Lopez was waived, and this was in the good league. He, he might, I think he's still owned in the uh, iShop ne- <laughs> negative fantasy league. So how did the, uh, moving off your team, how did the Fisdale firing play out outside of my bubble? I, I'm in, I live in Nashville, you know, but I'm in that Grizzlies bubble. I read national media. It seems like it was all very negative, but I also got like a text message from my, um, my ticket rep with the Grizzlies. Cause I somehow have tickets, even though I live three hours away. Uh, and he just randomly was like sending me some text that I'm like, Oh, is this the coach got fired text? He's like, no, it was just unrelated. And, uh, and he, I said, so I asked him something like, like, how are you guys, how are you guys doing with the, you guys getting a lot of flack with the coaching change? He's like, no, most people seem relieved. Fisdale's gone. And I was like, what? I was like, nationally, you guys are a tire fire. You realize that, right? He was like, "Oh, no! I thought people were happy." So uh, <laughs> this so, is yeah. crazy to me. So okay, <laughs> I am still stunned about the fact that they fired him. Also, because out of all of the people who are "quote unquote" the basketball people in the Memphis Grizzlies right now, yeah, I trust David Fisdale above any of them. Okay. And that's sort of my thing, where it's like, who, who am I so confident in at the Memphis Grizzlies who can coach this team and run this team better than David Fisdale? I understand. I so I understand the conflict with Mark Gasol, and I understand that the star player will always win out there. But at the same time, I, I just you had one of the youngest, like young, promising coaches to build this roster up. That job is not very desirable right now. How are you getting better? Yeah, I, I'm not real comfortable with it. I mean. I think Fisdale had, as, and again, I've talked about it on our last two episodes, you know, but like he has, he did some things that weren't great coaching, but he's a young coach. Like I, I was fine with it. I didn't think Gasol was at this point of his career where he should have the leverage to even fire a guy when the Grizzlies are under 500. Like, you know, like maybe if they were closer to an attainable goal of being like a really elite team, but they're not like, so where they were in the team process, the fact that they were supposed to be focused on building you know, this next generation of players or just the younger players. And he's supposed to be a development guy. It did seem weird to let, to let Fisdale go. Uh, I also think it's really strange. Like something weird is going on. The, the front office firing Fisdale less than 24 hours after Gasol said all that stuff definitely cast this huge negative shadow on Gasol. And there's no way they couldn't know that. Like you have to know this is going to be blowback on Gasol, and he's right. looked and he's played really weird in the three games uh, since uh, Fizdale got fired. He's like been in a pretty good slump, uh, and then like now you turn it over to JB Bickerstaff, and so you you move from one guy Fizdale who worked himself up through the film room, who was never a basketball player, like and so you're kind of like, all right, that guy, that's meritocracy. That guy worked hard. Sure. He got some breaks and everyone who's lucky who makes it, but like that guy came kind of from, from nothing. And then it's like JB Bickerstaff, maybe he's a great coach, but he's also the coach of an NBA son. And I'm less excited. Like maybe this guy has a unique view that's gotten him where he is. And now Bickerstaff is an interim coach for the rest of the season. Like what's his motivation to develop the Grizzlies for the long term? 
Like he's and just. And what's your ownership? Like I. I still, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, beyond all of that. So you make a big decision. Like you have a coach like Fizdale, right? That if you would have asked me before the season and you would have said, "Tell me the assets that the Memphis Grizzlies have," I'd say Conley Gasol, and I'd probably go Fizdale after that. Like just in terms of organizational assets, and you let Fizdale go. Your ownership up in air. Your management structure is like it, it's underwhelming at best and i think you guys have broken down just the, the over the course of the years of the draft picks and overall transactions how bad they've been and 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 so it just who in, in six months from now what's the memphis grizzlies front office going to look like and if you don't have stability there you don't have stability in the coaching staff i mean where are you going part of me wants robert paragon is an owner Right, because I feel like th- this um, the Steve Kaplan, the uh, the guy, yes, the Steve Kaplan. Uh, I feel like he was good. He will clean house. I think he has a clear vision for what he wants to be done, and I assume he's going to be clear. I assume like he would fire all kinds of people uh, and bring in his own basketball people and do his thing. So part of me as a Grizzlies fan, I'm just interested in that like i don't want it to negatively affect any people that like like grind city media can stay maybe he doesn't care about grind city media like they, <laughs> like they do good content that's fine they want to color cover college football that's cute like I, I don't care but you know as far as like chris wallace and, and whoever's making the decisions if it is ed stefanski or john hollinger i feel like the decisions have been bad for a while uh and obviously someone i think should probably pay for last summer for giving Chandler Parsons the max contract for drafting Wade oh, Baldwin. Come on, come on. No, Chandler Parsons, <laughs> like, w- w- obviously in retrospect, it's a it's a terrible, terrible deal. But the idea of Chandler Parsons was going to complete your roster. I, I still, I find merit in that. I mean, you're talking to a guy who had to sit through a Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov summer. Uh, I th- well, yeah. Th- those, I mean, th- those were still, th- yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So, so those those signings didn't even make sense. The Chandler Parsons was a, obviously it was an overpay. I mean, I, I think Chandler Parsons would tell you it was an overpay, but I, I still saw the logic behind it. Regarding your draft picks, yeah, that, that <laughs> there's no defending. Them. I'm just saying, last last summer they hired a coach, they signed a max player, and they used a first round draft pick, and they traded another first round draft pick, and the only thing left uh, out of all that is the you know is Chandler's bloated contract and Deontay Davis. Like that is such a waste of resources. It's crazy. And that was like the Grizzlies one shot, like the one bite at the apple to retool using all the stuff you have to help Mike Conley and Marcus saw in the last few years. And they, they, they thoroughly blew it. So it seems like so, someone should, uh, so what do you want? What do you want to happen now? So the next six months I give you power. I say, you know what, Keith, you tell me the next three things you want to do with the franchise. Oh, wow. That's insane. Uh, well, three big moves. There aren't three big moves. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the problem now. Like the team is stuck. Like I, I don't even know. Would I, you trade Mark? I doubt it because I don't think you get any return. I'm not. I'm not a big. I don't believe much in tearing it down. I, I don't. I know the process worked because they decided to do it for five years, but that's also five years of not having really basketball like to cheer for, and like every like. 
everyone focuses on the hope all right now of the 76ers, but they still, you know, they're, go- they're probably going to make the playoffs because, but they're not necessarily going to win a playoff round. And so I don't know even when they advance past, you know, the first round of the playoffs. And then you have these other teams like the Magic, the Timberwolves, the Sacramento Kings, who haven't won a playoff series in whatever, 10, 13 years or whatever it is. Right, right. So tearing it down is kind of bad. It, it looks like it would probably make sense for the Grizzlies to maybe be as bad as possible, you know, when it when the end of the season comes, if you're not in the playoffs. But, you know, all the other teams are bad in the Western Conference right now. Like, everyone is struggling. And so despite the fact that Grizzlies are bad, uh, they're not that far out of the eighth seed. I would, I would keep chasing it. I obviously wouldn't make any moves uh, that would cost me my future. I would 100% try to trade Brandon Wright for literally anything. You know, if any team has a use for a Brandon Wright, I don't know if they do. I would trade Tyreek Evans uh, once it's that time. Only problem is, you know, I don't know how much you can get for him because he's only making $3 million or something. And right. the team that gets him won't have the, uh, his bird rights. So they're stuck. I mean, because of last year's moves, you, you're pretty much stuck. So I definitely wouldn't do anything. Uh, I mean, anything I suppose, big, but... so I suppose that's part of the calculus, right? Then if you oh, yeah. are actually stuck uh, and, and some things aren't working, maybe that's why the physical decision happened where it's like the only lever you could possibly push was that. And that's crazy to me to be like, the only lever we have left is hoping interim coach JB Bickerstaff has a good connection. (laughs) I mean, you know, like maybe, maybe he'll understand that we need to play Andrew Harrison and James Ennis more or or something. So I I don't know what that is. Well, uh, (laughs) Hey, Hey, uh, Damon, let's wrap it up with your Lakers. What, what are the dream back to your Lakers? What are the dream solutions for you? What are big three things you would do if you were the Lakers? Like what, what are these, what are, you, what are your wildest Brooke Lopez trade fantasies? I don't even care what we get in return. I <laughs> want my forward rotation to be fixed to where Julius Randle is getting the minutes that he deserves. Um, I want to essentially forget this summer. I want to prioritize developing all the young players in the roster, right? Uh, I think KCP as a veteran has actually... He's frustrating, but at the same time, he he plays a really important role on the floor. I feel like he's been a stabilizing force on defense. So play him the minutes he needs. But beyond that, it should be only players that you're thinking about developing your future with. Then go into the summer and don't freak out if you don't, uh, you know, get exactly what you want. Because I think that assuming that LeBron James is coming, and I really think the front office is acting like that, is reckless and dumb. And so I would I would absolutely try to get LeBron, obviously, right? That's a, it's silly. But I would also try to get Paul George, obviously. But then I would, beyond that, understand that uh, as long as I continue developing these guys properly, right? There's always been uh, – so when Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak signed those veterans, it was because they had this stupid promise that they would make playoffs and conference finals by this year, which is crazy, right? Um, and then now all the chips are in this summer's basket. When is it going to be about the actual development of the players? Now, uh, so my, yeah, that would be my focus is focusing on the young guys. Now, uh, I would absolutely trade Brooke Lopez, uh, for, I mean, I, I don't even know what, what would you get for him? I don't think you're in the that, same situation. <laughs> Marcus all is locked up. Like Brooke Lopez is not. And and so I, I wonder how that affects the market. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what you could even value, like what team would benefit by adding Brooke Lopez that needs that. You know, it's really hard to try to figure out like who needs a I mean, also him not playing well uh hurts, but like who needs a kind of stretchy five who can't guard anyone uh for for one season. I mean, I feel like you guys you you're on it. The Lakers need to look down and say, "Wow, we might have hit a home run with Kyle Kuzma, a guy who can outperform his contract for the next right. like, four four years." Like right. we got lucky with Kyle Kuzma. Julius Randle looks pretty good. He's still a young guy, uh, and uh, Brandon Ingram is coming along very nicely in year two. He's making a very big, you know, leap from where he was. This is great. We have four young players, including Lonzo Ball. That like these guys look pretty good. Let's grow with them. Like that's it. Like I think you guys right. should just be like, let's let's uh this is my plant. Let's water this plant. Let's let this plant grow. Let's give it and sunlight let's, let's and love. Keep 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 your cap space, keep developing, figure out what the hell to do with Lou All Dang, whatever interesting cap mechanisms, whatever you can think of over the next two, three years to get, you know, done with him. And and pursue smartly your options in the summers and, and just go organically. But I do worry very much that this summer, because of um, I think there's a lot of impatience with ownership. I think that uh, Magic Johnson has almost staked his credibility in a way about what he's going to do this summer. Um, I, I, I think it's a very, very real possibility that there is some sort of a panic trade or two made either at the deadline or in the summer to make that happen. And uh, I am very worried about it because I, I look at the landscape and I'm looking at teams right now. And I don't understand, like, I look at a team like Boston, right, who I hate, but I look at them and I'm like, this is only going to get better for the next 10 years. Like, they're going to be either better or just as good for the next 10 years. Can the Lakers even reach that level if they're doing what they're doing? Like, if they if they pursue short-term options. And that's a depressing thought, but that's the way you have to think. And then you've obviously the Warriors and the Rockets. And you just go down the line, you're like, you don't have a player yet of that caliber, and you need to develop these guys to actually – if you get a max level player where you can actually use him properly. Yeah. I think you guys are definitely going to uh, give either, you know, Paul George or let's see who's, who, who, who's the less uh, Demarcus cousins. Probably. Yeah. Demarcus cousins. You're going to give him a full max and it's just going to squash all the good things you're growing <laughs> in that, in that beautiful garden. I'm worried. And I think, I think to accomplish that, they're going to have to make one or two, just really reckless trades and, and just dispatch of young talent. And, and just it, it's, I am very, very worried because anytime you, anytime you this far in advance kind of <laughs> spell out your plans, uh, it's generally going to be a disaster. Yeah. And you guys should just focus on the fact that you've already won LA back. I mean, I know you never really lost them to the Clippers, but the Clippers are a disaster now. It's like every, everyone, all of random NBA people like me, we're now watching Lakers games again and not Clippers games. Uh, I want Fizzle, I want Fizzle to end up with the Clippers. He's in LA. Right. That, would, that would be nice. It doesn't, it seems perfect. Fizzle to the Clippers. I think I, tw- I tweeted something about that. And then I heard other people talking about it. It's, it's an easy match to make. You're like, yeah, this yep. guy, you know, he, he has the background. I think he grew up in Compton or somewhere in, in uh, Los Angeles. And it's, you know, seems like he'd be great for the Clippers. Once Doc decides he's a, uh, He's had enough. All right. Well, I, hey, think, I think Doc. I, I think Doc decided he's had enough like two years ago, but people are catching on now. Well, he does want to stick around for the entire uh, green light 
two months, the two months of a green light, Austin Rivers is going to have <laughs> just to Absolutely. put up every shot he feels like. All right, well, hey, buddy, good talking to you. Uh, I know you need to eat some food. I got to go to bed. Uh, nice catching up, man. Tell people where uh, your Twitter handle and all that, where they yes, can catch up with please, you. Please, please follow me at Damanar, D A M A N R. I tweet too much, usually at night. Volume tweeter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Austin Rivers of Twitter. How dare you? I'm more, <laughs> please, I, I, I am the swaggy P of Twitter. Please. There you go. Lakers era, not Warriors era. <laughs> That's true. All right. See you, bud. All right. Take you later, Matt. All right. Thanks for checking out the chat with me and Damon. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Like us on Facebook. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for B and G and G. Fair break, break, man. You understand?